Hello, Magic is Real listeners. Thank you so much for being here. Today I have with me Mark Patterson, who is a sound healer and a near-death experiencer. But Mark, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about you and all of the wonderful things that you do. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, Shanna, it's going to be a great, great conversation we're going to have, and I can really feel the high energy. So um, I'm a latchkey kid from Iowa. I grew up with a single parent who had two jobs, and uh, so all my time was, I spent a lot of time alone by myself. Um, I was very psychic as a kid. I always knew things about people. I saw the lights and auras around people. I had numerous visitations from aliens and beings in my dreams, and also I would see uh, the UFOs and ETs as a kid. And, and of course, I'd always try to get my mom, you know, mom, come out, they're here. And, you know, she she could never see them, you know. Um, and um, so I was told that I was crazy, that I was, uh, I was always teased and taunted for being psychic, for being intuitive, you know. Don't talk about that. Why do you know that? Don't you ever repeat that? Don't say that. And my father, who was a holy roller, a Southern mm -hmm. Southern Baptist, uh, he always told me that I was possessed. So you, um, you know, you learn not to trust yourself. Uh, but in, in general terms, my background is, uh, and I'll go, I'll go back to that stuff in a second. But my background is that I've been a fine dining fine dining server for more years than I want to. I care to admit, um, but it's only an opportunity that's given me to travel all over the world. Yeah. You know, I, I can't, I've been to Egypt a few times. I can't say, hey, I can't go work for IBM, you know, with my uh, my college education. I went to both undergraduate and graduate school. Uh, and say, hey, I want to go to Egypt for 20 days. They're probably going to say no. So being that, being in the hospitality industry has given me the freedom and flexibility to travel abroad all over. And uh, it's been a fascinating experience. But anyway, going back to my childhood, you know, I, I would dream over and over again that all the gifts I wanted, all Winnie the Pooh, Tigger, Disneyland, feeling love, feeling like I belong, feeling like uh, I was I was valued. I always found those things inside my bedroom closet. And anytime I wanted to feel loved, be reassured, to feel secure. I'd find my way in my dreams inside that bedroom closet. Well, 40 some years later, you realize the message of dreaming about everything that you want is inside the bedroom closet, it means that everything is inside your own heart. Mm, you know, it's an analogy, Mark. Yeah, it's already within you. Um, so uh, unfortunately, I, by the time I was 13 or 14 years old, I was consuming alcohol and drugs because, because I didn't want to feel anymore because it was so overwhelming. It was so overwhelming to hear the voices. It was so overwhelming to try to talk to people and all they told you was that you were crazy, you know? So I didn't want to do it anymore. And then um, when I was 16 uh, at a high school party uh, at the Canterbury Inn in Coralville, Iowa, it's actually still there. Um, I had a group of my high school friends surround me in a circle, go chug, 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 go, 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 go. So I, um, I downed a fifth of vodka, four beers, two glasses of wine and about four or five wine coolers in about 90 minutes. So, it um, is. I'm so reckless. 
yeah, teenagers do reckless things. And, you know, I, people have asked me a lot, well, were you trying to end your life at night? Mm-hmm. No, no, I, I was trying to impress my older friends, you know, trying to be, quote, a man, you know. And so uh, my body went unconscious. I went into cardiac arrest. My skin was green, purple, and black. Uh, and as anyone who's had a near-death experience will tell you that when you first leave the body, at first it's very scary because you're trying to get a hold of your uh, your classmates' attention and all that they don't see you, they don't hear you, they just see the, you know, the body that's passed out. They just think you're passed out, you know, on the bathroom floor of the suite there. And so then I was greeted by my grandfather, Russell. He passed away when I was about three years old. And it's very common that if you have a a grandparent who passes away when the grandchild, or the grandparent passes away when the grandchild is young, they become their guardian. They become, they kind of look over their lives and, and things like that. And uh, Russell informed me that I was going home. And uh, so, I, you know, and, and again, when you have a near-death experience, when you cross over, it is a multi-dimensional reality. It's a multi-dimensional universe. It's parallel realities. Um, and all these things are simultaneous. So while I'm being informed that I, Mark is leaving, uh, there are seven angels. They're 14 feet tall each. And there's like a hologram of my life. It's like a table. I always say it was like the city of clouds and Empire Strikes Back. That's the only thing I can really relate it to. And uh, anytime that I was angry, resentful, or blamed other people, and Shannon, that's all that we ever do when we're teenagers, uh, they ask, how does that relate to love? And everything in life is our ability to express love. You know, uh, forgiveness is forgiving, forgiving your love away no matter what happens to you. And if you're always out getting the car, getting the promotion, getting the things, you are forgetting who you really are. And um, and so they went and introduced me to this being that was about 30 to 40 feet tall. The Bible talks about the giants. If you go to Egypt and Abu Simbel, they're the four beings that are 40 feet tall each, the archangels, the one on the right, we believe is Archangel Metatron. We believe that uh, Nefertiti was probably 12 or 14 feet tall that Agnat was over 16 feet tall. And the Egyptians, would, when their artwork did things as they were, they were not abstract. They were not symbolic. They were, they were in the Egyptian times in that era, they made things exactly as they were. So, um, and the Bible makes references to the giants and those they were the giants. They saw that the wives of men were fair and they took them as their own. So this being what it was a giant, and it formed an icosahedron. And, and before it came back in the mark, uh, they talked to me a lot about sound, healing through sound and sacred geometry and specifically the Melchizedek priesthood. Uh, the Bible says, uh, Jesus is like Mel- Melchizedek and thou forever are uh, a priest of the of Melchizedek uh, priesthood. So that being formed an icosahedron, a geometric platonic solid, and entered my heart and brought me, Mark, back to life. Now, everyone for about three or four days looked like they were like this big. 
it was very confusing as to where I was at, who I was. Then about the fourth or fifth day, everything clicked on. I am Mark. I'm a sophomore at Iowa City West and Iowa City, Iowa. And, you know, I kind of knew that was my mom and, you know, kind of all the pictures fell into place. So, um, you know, then, I mean, I just made that whole experience. So people say, well, you know, how did that change you? Well, it just made me more psychic, you know, which is what's the last thing that I needed as a teenager was to be more psychic. So shortly after that experience, I was in uh, Wisconsin, at Surgeon Bay, Wisconsin, uh, in Dora County. It's a beautiful part of America. And one morning I went to Peter's mother, who I, who my friend Peter, he and I played baseball together. And I said, uh, you need to call your daughter. His older sister was coming and tell her not to come. This is really important to just tell her not to come. And um, they got real frustrated with me. They got upset with me. And then that night I said, look, you need to call your daughter now and tell her that she just can't be here. And um, you know, uh, Peter's mom on this thing, I know that you've been seeing us fight, argue, which is not used to, but everything is okay. I was like, no she can't be here well they sent me home on the greyhound bus the next morning because they were so upset with me well uh peter's sister uh their her their daughter was killed in the car accident on the way going up there and again it was like you know i, I did what you asked me to do this is crap i don't want to deal with this so um i got into smoking marijuana hash whatever it was you know, just to get numb everything out. And um, then around the ages of 18 or 19, uh, I was introduced to um, Dick Sutton, who wrote the book with Simon and Schuster called You Were Born Again to Be Together about reincarnation and uh, soulmates. I've said for years that he was probably the biggest influence in my life. He and I eventually became friends because he eventually moved to Sedona. We'd, you know, go have coffee and lunch together and all that stuff. And uh, then my other friend, Toby, his mom, Patty Lou, uh, introduced me to um, Jerry Bowman and Joe Albiani. Joe Albiani was uh, an attorney out of Boston. Uh, Jerry Bowman was a Vietnam veteran who was a trans channel. Now, you probably have never heard of Jerry Bowman, but you've probably heard of an actress named Shirley MacLaine. Uh, Shirley MacLaine's a famous actress who believes in all the the reincarnation, past lives, ETs, and all that, all those things. Her channel was Kevin Ryerson. Kevin Ryerson channeled John, John the Apostle, John the Beloved, and Jerry Bowman was channeling John. And after listening to um, a couple of his videotapes, it's audio tapes, their show was called The Out of the Ordinary Show, KIED in Los Angeles, California, which the archives are still available. And I found that John would come to me and start speaking to me and saying things like a master is not a master because he himself says so. A master is called master because those who witness him say that he is master. For we never use the truth to be right. We never use the truth to make others wrong. We never use the truth to score points for ego. We never use the truth um, to belittle others. And he, from about 18 to 25, 9 to 25, he, he gave me a lot of information, in my, especially in my dreams um, about esoteric teachings. And of course, you know, Shannon, when you're, when you're a male, when you're 18, 19 to 25, 
there's too many blondes, there's too many brunettes, there's, you know, there's college football, there's nature boy, Ric Flair, woo, you know, it's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's bigger new, fish to fry. Too many, yeah, right. right. Then spiritual evolution. <laughs> and, you know, 30 years later, you go, man, maybe I should have listened a little bit more. Maybe I should have, you know, paid attention a little bit more. And, you know, in the last year or so, John has come back to me in my dream. So, you know, maybe the second time around or third time around, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll listen and pay attention a little bit more. And um, so that, so then um, it was around 1993, 94. When, the first time I lived in, I lived in Charleston, South Carolina twice from 92 to 96. And then from 2016 to 2020. And I was working at 82 Clean. It's a restaurant down there. And I was watching the videotapes with John Melchizedek called The Flower of Life. It's about sacred geometry, the Sphinx, the pyramids. Everything is based on a mathematical sequence. And um, as I'm watching these videotapes, um, this guy comes into our restaurant for five days in a row, like five or six nights in a row. And every night, he ends up in my section, which is impossible to begin with in the first place. Yeah. And and then the last date that he's here, he's with his family. And I hear this angelic voice, and it's a female angelic voice. I mean, I know what that is now. I didn't know what it was at the time. Uh goes, uh, we need you to talk to him. And they're pointing to the gentleman at the table. I didn't know what his name was at the time. We need you to talk to him about the videotapes you're watching. Well, we have an hour and a half wait. Uh, I have six tables in restaurant terms. I'm in the weeds. And I'm just like, no, you're just, it's not going to happen. I, I, like, screw that. You know what? You know what? No. You know, yeah. so, I've worked in I, restaurants. Know, I can, it's, I have nightmares about it to this day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you, you go, I go from the, I go to leave the table. I get physically, pushed back by the table by an unseen force. And they say, you know, this is really important that you do this. So I'm thinking, my God, you know, what am I going to ask this guy? And so I look at him and go, uh, are you a mathematics professor? You know, thinking, what am I, how am I going to bring up this conversation? And uh, he, he goes, Mark, what did you really want to ask? Me? And so I'm like, well, I'm watching these videotapes on sacred geometry you know, this fake spirit, he goes, Dronville Melchizedek, I have to have those tapes. I need those tapes. Please give me those tapes. I go, well, they don't belong to me, but I, I'll i call Rosemarie and ask her if I can give the tapes to you. So the next day I called her to go, hey, this guy, Roger, he's adamant those tapes belong to him. And I give them to him. She goes, yeah, sure. I don't, I don't care. Why not? So I meet Sha uh, Roger and his son, Sean, a few days later. And uh, I give him the videotapes. A few months pass by. I don't hear anything from him. I go to work. And again, this female angelic voice comes back to me and says, um, you know, we need you to go to your manager and tell her that you have to go home. I'm just like, sure, why not? So mm -hmm. I go, uh, Missy, um, is it okay if I go home? And she goes, yeah, it's we're going to be so good. Go ahead and go home. So the voice comes back to me and goes, uh, please don't stop anywhere. Please go directly to your 
condo and don't stop me on the way. So I, I get to my condo in downtown Charleston at the time, my the carriage home. Uh, and as I open the door, it's Roger calling me from France. This is how would you like to work with Drunk World in person? And I'm like, yeah, sure, what do I need to do? You know, how much is it going to cost? And he says, uh, everything has been taken care of. Everything's been paid for. Thank you for the videotapes. And, you know, Deepak Chopra calls those events like Synchro Destiny. And I do believe that our guides and angels are always there with us, wanting to give us information if we're willing to, to listen. And uh, I think at that time, so that was like 93, 94, um, I had only told two people about my near-death experience. Kirsten, who I was dating at the time in Charleston, and my best friend, Dean, in Iowa. I mean, I just didn't tell anyone about it. And then it was probably about a year after that whole thing with working with Drungalo and the Flower of Life stuff, probably 95, almost 10 years. 10 years after that whole my near near death experience. I got a phone call at 1.30 in the morning from a woman I never met, never spoke with before. Uh, it's kind of vague as how she got a hold of me and my phone number. And Shannon, she described verbatim everything they told me in my near death experience about sound, sacred geometry, the Melchizedek priesthood. <laughs> and then she described that dream I had as a child over and over again about being inside the bedroom closet. And so uh, we we did, she is, a, she is a real person. I was gonna ask who she is, but I was waiting for you to get there. Uh, I'll just, I, I met her shortly after that. Uh, her, I'll just say her name is Deb. Yeah. And then, um, but I've not heard from her since 1999 or 2000. So she was someone you, you did know from, for, I did you... not. I did not know her until. How did she know call. you? I guess was my question. So uh, she explained to me that she was that her angels communicated a lot of information to her about me. Gotcha. Uh, okay. She was to call me. Okay, so one of the questions I have is, you do sound healing, and I'm very interested in this because there's so much to unpack here. Um, what was it that you were told during your near-death experience about sound healing? But I'm also curious about sound healing itself. And I know that there are different frequencies. And I know it's a whole topic in itself. But I'd love for you to share first what you heard and sort of downloaded about that. And then what you know now about why, what sound healing is, how it works, what it all, kind of what it all means. Sure, those are great questions. So what, what was I told? I was told that I would become a, a channel for pure tones and that I would become, uh, that I would do work with sound, the bowls, but mainly just being a pure, for like the, they talked about the Hawthors and the Syrians, you know, coming through me and that that sound and frequency is the basis of, of the nature of reality. Everything is based on frequency, sound, and vibration and uh, that they lined up with geometries and that the sound combined with geometries can create a uh, healing divine healing within the body so that was what they told me and that is what deb told me you know 10 years down the road so 
let's get into your question about sound and sound healing. So let's start with the word universe. Yes. The word universe means one song, right? One song. The word person is Greek for through sound, personas. So you are literally created through sound. You are personas. Now, the Native Americans, particularly of the Hopi and the Anastasi, tell stories that the Native American elders would sing to crops and produce kernels of corn the size of most men's thumbs. Now, James Redfield talks about this in the Salicine Prophecy, where if you sing to your plants, they will grow. So if you look at all the master's names, Sai Baba, Buddha, Yogananda, Mir Baba, and Jesus' name was Yeshua, they all have the ah sound. Well, there's a gentleman, oh man, I want to say 1917, 19, somewhere on there, Hans Jen, who did cymatics. And cymatics is basically showing that everything in nature, when you run a sound file through it, makes a very specific geometric pattern. So like the butterflies have a geometric pattern, dogs have a geometric pattern, leaves have a ge geometric pattern. And when he runs, like when he, he was doing filings, like metal filings and sand over metal and running sound through it, they'd make these complex geometric patterns. Now there's a gentleman by the name of uh, John Stuart Reed who was taking cymatics and made it three-dimensional. His work is really brilliant. And then of course, uh, uh, Matsura, Moto Matsura, messages from the water, took cymatics and took pictures of it and showed it that these, like when you think I hate you, I hate you, I'm gonna destroy you, the the geometric pattern of water collapses and it breaks down when you think I love you, I love you, I love you, you are so wonderful and makes this brilliant intact geometric pattern. So it not only shows that everything is based on frequency, sound and geometry, but our thoughts, our feelings, influence things at a cellular level, you know? So, so back to sound. So this is really interesting. Everything is based on hertz, hertz and frequency. So this is why sound is so important to you and I and the planet. There's a guy by the name of Dan Carlson. He's out of Wisconsin. He's a farmer and he became interested in sound for healing because his wife had cancer. And they found that with rife technology, rife technology is basically just utilizing frequencies like a tumor is a dense energy. So modern medical doctors now, what they do is that they break up gallstones and kidney stones with sound waves, right? So he found that certain frequencies and certain hertz were able to break up the tumor in, in his wife's body. Now, Greg Braden does this on video. He's got a video, an ultrasound video of Qigong healers using sound and vocal toning to dissolve a golf ball sized tumor in three minutes. I mean, it's it's a live video, it's just amazing. So this is where it gets exciting with sound and sound. So Dan Carlson became fascinated with frequencies and sound. And he started playing around with sounds and things like that. He found that when he ran a four to 5,000 Hertz frequency through the fields, it generated a 400% greater yield in the crops. I mean, talk about a real solution to world hunger, 
a not a 30, 40% greater yield, but a 400% greater yield when he ran that four to 5,000 hertz frequency through the fields. And it was for everything, tomatoes, corn, it didn't matter what it was, it did it time and time again. So then he became fascinated with nature. This is why this is just amazing. He found that when birds sing in the morning, they are singing between 4,000 and 5,000 hertz. Birds are literally singing life into the planet every single morning. They're getting things to grow and to awaken. When crickets chirp at night, they chirp at 2,000 cycles per second. They're literally closing everything down. The other Hopi legend is it says that grandmother, grandmother spider woman sung the web of existence into life. I mean, we motherese, I mean, regardless of what language you have, whether country you're from, motherese at high is spoken to every baby, and it is how babies acquire language. Uh, so, I mean, there's just, there's so many fascinating things about sound and frequency. I mean, the aboriginals in, in Australia, if you're on a walkabout with the aboriginals and you break a bone, they put you on a tree, they put you up against the tree, and they all get in a circle around you, and they go into the drones of the didgeridoo. And, they, and within 24 hours, you're walking again. You know, because um, the sound is creating again in the body. This is a thing. New York Times about showing how blood cells can be corrected using sound and frequency. And of course, uh, Edgar Casey, the famous psychic, said that sound would be the healing modality of the future. And that's, I, you know, I think that we're on that that cutting edge of because in my, the vocal tuning that I do. Because what I do is I literally become a crystal bowl. I channel the pure tones that come through me. And it doesn't matter if I've had five people in the audience or over 500 people in the audience, that sound would go to each individual person's greatest point of pain and break it up. Because that sound has its own awareness, its own consciousness, and it dissolves pain that people are, I mean, we have people that just kind of go out after hearing the pure tones because it's such a, uh, a pure or higher vibration. But yeah, sound and frequency is definitely very, very powerful and uh, it's healing people all over the planet it's awakening people you ever hear like i remember when i was in ireland and dublin back in 2005 and there was a a soprano an alto soprano um out in the streets uh, singing and it was the most probably one of the most angelic things I've ever heard in my voice i mean I ever heard and we forget about how powerful the human voice is yeah yeah yeah, so, I mean, music alone, music alone. It's so like, I, who doesn't like music unless you have some neurodivergent sound sensitivity or something? I mean, we all, most of us, there's something that happens through music that feels so spiritual. I was a music booker for many years. So music's a whole, you know, I've just, music's a huge part of my life. And I always think this, where, how can people create, I just said it yesterday, listening to somebody create music and i thought i said out loud in my car people are amazing that we can create these sounds and these melodies and these and these uh, just these tones and not all music is as some is more moving than others but it does feel so spiritual 
And um, yeah, tell me what you were going to say. I was just going to say, I got sidetracked because I tend to ramble a lot. Um, no, you're, you're doing great. So uh, um, so back to the uh, Yogananda, <laughs> Buddha, Krishna. So with Sai Jen's work, they found that when you do the ah sound, you make the ah sound, when you run through an oscillator, it makes the Sir Yantra, which is the 27 interlaced triangles, which is the Hindu symbol of God. And it doesn't, well, if I look at an angle like this, or maybe, you know, it makes it, and it makes it each and every time when you do the ah sound. Ah, it makes that Sir Yantra. So the ah sound is a sound of creation itself. And, you know, excuse my friends, but when most people have an orgasm, it's ah, you know, that's, you know, you are, you're person, you are created, you know, you know, through sound. So everything is based in sound and vibration and energy. And the ah sound is probably the most uh, powerful sound that we have out there. Yeah. And what about the ohm sound? I was just hearing that the reason we do it, well, one of the, I don't know if it's the reason we do it, but when we say ohm, it, it's the way it vibrates through our whole body that can sort of balance our energy. You can tell me what you think about what you know about yeah, that. Yeah. So contrasting the ah sound, the ah is the, is the sound of creation where the ohm is the void. So you put the sound of creation into the void where it can, uh, mat to, to manifest. Right. Yeah. That's so interesting. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I also had another question about, oh yes. So when you were a kid, you were very sensitive. You already had this awareness of um, ETs, spirit, and a real strong connection. My theory is that a lot of people who have had near-death experiences, I would say at least half, um, had near-death experiences, but already were very intuitive. So my theory is that they were sort of meant to have that near-death experience to show them more. Because for whatever reason, you were born not entirely forgetting who you really are. Like right, the veil right. is still thin for you. And, and I think a lot of people, we come here, we forget. And some people come into this world. Wide awake. Wide awake. And, yeah, yeah. And so it almost feels like there's some reason. Do you feel like there was a reason why you had, I mean, obviously you had free will and you consumed things that would shut your organs down. But from a spiritual standpoint, was there a reason that you had that near-death experience? Was it sort of like a, hey, We've been trying to tell you and you understand, but because you're being shunned, shut down, sorry, we're going to, no, don't stop. Don't give up. Don't shut down. Here's more information because you are meant to do this work. And that's why we've given you this. Was there a reason, I guess, do you think from the spiritual standpoint? Yeah, I, I think what you just said is plausible. However, is my understanding that the original soul and the one that came in and took over, it was part of an agreement, part of a, a contract. And I, I and you know I get to ask this all the time, you know, but it, it's Psalm one thirty nine sixteen says that every every day was ordained in your book, every moment was laid out in your book before a single one had passed. And I really believe that we plan our lives out. We agree to our parents, we agree to our circumstances, we agree to our living situations, um, and. It, it, we agree to everything and because um, people always say, well, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there so much evil in the world? And it's because you wanted someone to forgive, mm -hmm. 
you know, you want and or you wanted someone to forgive you and you wanted to experience uh, forgiveness and love and you wanted your soul said this time. I'm going to demonstrate the power of love. This time I'm going to show love. And um, I mean, that's kind of the core of, Christian, of Christianity, you know, the, the crucifixion that it was that Jesus loved so much that he was willing to do that. Um, and I, I go into a whole metaphysical term of explanation of that. And I do believe that he, he went on to live, that he had children with Mary, which is talking about in the Da Vinci Code that came from the book, um, Holy Blood, Holy Grail. Uh, but there's a there's a lady in, out of Rwanda in the Congo who um, Immaculate Immaculate uh, I mean, I'm probably not saying her name right. I know her name first name is Immaculate. 1994 Rwanda Congo, and they came in. They killed her family. They killed the whole town, whole village. You know they did awful things to everyone there. And she survived with some of the people because they hid in, in, in someone's bathroom for 91 days. And when the, uh, the civil unrest came undone and they kind of brought things back to stability, they gave Immaculate the opportunity to, to do harm to the main perpetrator, the leader of the, uh, of the, the, the army or the, the militants who did, who, who did the atrocities in Rwanda. And uh, she found a way to have full forgiveness, compassion, and love. And you hear this story. I mean, she was on Oprah. She's been in countless TV shows about this. It is deeply powerful. It's deeply moving. And you go, that's it. Mm -hmm. She got it. That is what you are supposed to do. And trust me, it's easier said than done, but if you want an example of of the of demonstrating the, what the power of love can do, it, no matter what happens to someone, she nailed it. She nailed it on the head, and she got it. But it, I mean, we get of course we forget all of this, we forget, and we we go back and forth, and you know, I say this somewhat jokingly because we all pray for a soulmate or a twin flame, and you know, I agree with Abraham Mix. Uh, you know, pray for the person that enables you to feel the best about you. Mm -hmm. I love that so yeah. much. I remember reading, uh, you've mentioned a few things. Um, I remember in college, I don't know why I was at a party and I don't remember being spiritual. So I'm not sure why someone said this to me, but they said, uh, you would, you need to read the Celestine prophecy. I think you would really love it. And I read it and I was in Paris at the time studying abroad and I just remember thinking, this is the hokiest crap I've ever read in my life. It's it's so corny. It's like this nerdy Mr. Van Driesen from Beavis and Butthead who's like fantasizing that he's Indiana Jones. But now, in fact, you just reminded me, now I want to read it again because now I get it. Yes, it's cheesy, but it's also he was using the story to, to not just sort of write down, this is how things work. It was like turned into a story for entertainment value, but... I'm very interested um, in in a lot of that, which I'm now sort of understanding about connections not being accidental, synchronicities. I just remember vaguely, I mean, this was like 30 years ago, but I'm like, I remember something about the plants and seeing the auras around things and knowing that if you sit next to someone and have a conversation, 
your paths were meant to cross. There's some message in there to be learned. Um, I, I would just love to know more. I Another question after this, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on just any kind of thoughts you have about the truths or things that resonate for you in that book. Yeah, I, I, I really believe that there are no accidents or no coincidences, coincidences and that you know, your life is kind of set into motion before you, we, we incarnate here. And we tend to incarnate with about 20 or 30 people that we call a soul family. Often they're, they could be your aunts or uncles or your cousins, or there's people that you, you meet. And also we do um, have, we can have parallel lives, meaning that your oversoul can incarnate into three or four individuals at the same time. Yep. Uh, I've been told many times in my dreams that Sammy Hagar the famous uh, rocker, former lead singer Van Halen, is is one of my parallel lives now. He does not know this. Right. I've never met Sammy. <laughs> I'm not going to call I've him and be like, we're the Sammy. same person. Yeah. yeah. The, right, the only thing I know is that Sam, I, it's my understanding that Sammy does believe in ETs and things like that. I think that's what the, the song Love Comes Walking In is about. But he, yeah, there's no no knowledge of that. But um, so the Native Americans teach that your life is the way that it is because it can't be any other way. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, you meet who you're supposed to meet when you're supposed to meet them. And like, sometimes you just look at someone and you immediately know them. You just, yeah. you, there's a familiar area about it. It's because you've had other incarnations with them, but you've had past lives with them. Yeah. I was just having this conversation with my best friend today who about, she's like, you have to watch this, uh, twin flames thing on netflix and she said i want and she's not spiritual really but she's open-minded because of what i do so she was saying i really want to hear your thoughts uh and i because she's kind of like i don't know what i think about this stuff and that's what i had said is that my belief and understanding uh i'll know when i get to the other side for sure but is that soulmates don't have to be someone that you're hooking up with romantically soulmates are everyone that's close to you or even people you encounter that are meant to be there for a life lesson for um whether it's your your husband, your sister, your brother, your mother, your dog, whatever it is that uh, Laura Lynn Jackson, the medium, said that life is a play. And then when it's all over, we all meet up backstage and sort of re debrief and hug each other and say, that was OK. We we did our job. Good job. High five. We, we kind of accomplished what we meant to what we were meant to. So I definitely believe in not the romantic version of soulmates, but that. I said, I said to her, the people that taught me the most, my ex-husband, um, who I know, I, I, I have many, many regrets about that, but I know that we were meant to have that experience. I was very young. And then the person who was my most toxic relationship, I'm like, without him, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I think we were here to mess each other up and then go <laughs> our separate ways. And I'm like, he was my biggest teacher. So I think soulmates don't have to be like, oh, he's my soulmate. I mean, I think you have many do you kind of what do you yeah have? you know um as far as twin flame goes you probably only have one twin flame and i i'm with mine uh at uh, lori right now and but i think we have many we could have several soulmates i do too yeah. i do too yeah. Yeah. and um okay so now i want to talk about something else i just finished watching the netflix series encounters which i highly recommend because first of all these shows are getting better and better in terms of their quality. It's cinematic, the editing, the cinematography, the just the lighting. So it really tells a story in a very compelling way so that it looks like it's on film, but 
it's a documentary about um, ETs, uh, um, UFOs, and that sort of thing. And I'm really excited to see it being treated less uh, sensationally. That it's uh, let's and, and uh, I'll just say that the final sort of um, scene of this whole documentary had me weeping um, as they're talking about ETs and how they're here to help us. Um, and and I'll stop babbling about it because I know it's not about me, but I want to hear your whole. This is why I'm asking you. They had showed that um, when there's been the threat of a nu uh, nuclear plant um, exploding. They, they've they've flown over. They've flown over yes. silos. Silos. And, and they showed it, which I just kept going. I was crying seeing that as at Fukushima um, right. after the, the tsunami and the, there was a, a the nuclear plant was in danger of sort of i don't know if detonating is the word but um and they just show all of a sudden these beautiful U ufo's but they're crafts uh these light crafts forming um different patterns in the sky and people's theory is that they're trying to help us come back into balance and making sure that does not happen because that could destroy the earth and they're like we can't destroy this planet we want to help you so I'd love to hear just what you know. And also, I'd love to know more about what you experienced as a child in terms of your contact with interdimensional beings. <laughs> a lot. So, yeah. Um, wow. So uh, let's go. Let's deal with the nuclear stuff because the world is fascinating. Seems be, the world seems to be on edge. And it's my understanding that there are certain ETs out there that they want us to press buttons and go, you know, we, we don't have anything to do with humans. And But there are a lot more ETs out there that are doing everything and everything to prevent us from pushing buttons. And this group, these, um, the Syrians, Illyrians, Lemurians, um, the Octurians, they're all wanting us to evolve to to go into this higher dimensional consciousness and it's um the the zeta reticulized the grays that hollywood has a fascinating with the the small gray to large eyes they they really would rather that we just go kaboom but they seem to be they seem to be losing the battle right now thank god and um so yeah, there there is divine interference. Uh, they are they've been monitoring us for many many years, and I wholeheartedly believe that there are several of them involved in the Galactic Federation that we call the Galactic Federation, or some people will say Ashtar Command, um, that are monitoring everything. And I you know they have the technology to shut off silos to to just turn everything off and say no, you're because the Earth. You know, if you ever listen to like Billy Carson stuff and his information is really good, he's on Gaia. Hmm. He and other people, John Below talked about this, Barbara Marciniak, who wrote Bringers of the Dawn, one of the best channel books by the Platings out there, even though a lot of stuff they said didn't, didn't come out. Um, the planet's been destroyed before. I mean, they found, they found pieces of molten glass in the middle of the desert. The only thing that could explain that is like a high temperature, like a nuclear bomb going off, causing sand, you know, to form, to make glass. And there's just, you know, like doorways and, and pyramids and temples that are partly melted. 
And again, there's no other explanation for it unless it was a, a very high detonation, high explosion. Um, so I believe that, that that is true that there are aliens observing everything and they are doing whatever they can to make sure that we don't go kaboom again, right? So that's good. So uh, aliens and ETs in my own life. Um, I want to say the last time I saw a UFO was in Sedona, Arizona. It was probably 2016 as I was getting ready to leave from Sedona to go back to Charleston. They were the large, the mm -hmm. cigar orange shapes. And you could see the beans inside them. And um, they're orange. They're the ones that are very common in the Southwest, particularly uh, over Mexico. And then I just, they, this show also, or no, uh, it was Unsolved Mysteries, which this season is all about sort of supernatural and also beautifully shot. And they were talking about the Navajo Nation um, area as well. Right. Yeah. So that's very, so Mexico's, uh, Arizona, Mexico, it's very common to see these orange crafts. And that's like their active Merkaba. They're breathing that mm -hmm. into the, the field. So as for a, my inner, my, so that was the last, but I've also had intercounters like with beings in my dreams in other states. Uh, as far as a child, um, I, I would say that the encounters with the ETs were the grays, the zeta reticulized, and it was very intrusive. It was very unpleasant. Um, they put implants in me and they say that Barbara Rissenek and others talked about this, that they can observe an individual who they think is a threat to break in, to break the fear, the matrix, the control frequency on the planet. And they'll put implants in them to hinder, to hold them back from growing. And um, so those, those encounters, my mom says to this day that she remembers as a child that I would like wake up in the night just screaming in sheer terror. And I, I think did that too, when I was little. So that might be, they were doing, and again, like, this is important for people to understand is like, well, so let's say that Shannon, you and I agreed to like a, a study that we were going to do an overnight study at a university to see if we were quote abduct, abducted or not. And, you know, we have, we both have this abduction experience, wake up next morning, they say, nothing happened. You know, you, you, you were both, you were both here the entire time. You know, what do you mean you're abducted? Most alien abductions occur on inner dimensional realities. I was going to ask you that, that yes, it's, they're, the, they're, ta they're taking our astral bodies, not our physical bodies. That's correct. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And so, um, since then I've had, and then there were encounters with beings. I, I, you know, I particularly remember these beings that were like turtles. They were like tortoise likes and they just, oh, they had so much love and they would just hold you and have compassion for you. There were, and there were, there were also loving experiences, but specifically in my childhood from like four to seven, eight, nine, they were, they were intrusive, but I sense that I've had the implants removed. That's what I was going to ask you. If they put in these implants, how come it doesn't work? Do you know what I mean? Like, how come they don't succeed? And who removes them? Or do you not know? I don't know if I can answer the the, the best healer that I've found at removing implants. I'm, his name is Ken Page. 
and I think he's out of Austin. He's in Texas, Austin, Texas. And he developed what's called multi-dimensional cellular healing. And I I mean, I, I just cannot recommend his work enough because I'm, I mean, not only like implants from aliens, but let's say that you had a lifetime. You know, I know you want to talk about past life regression too. We'll get to that next. Yeah. So you, but let's say that you had a lifetime that you had shackles or that you were placed in the, you know, the, the blinks, the, what are they called? The bricks, the, mm -hmm. the blocks, the stockades, the blocks. And so you have that imprint, the energetic imprint is there. Boy, when he, he said that I still had shackles on from a lifetime, when he pulled those off, my legs shut up. Woo! I mean, straight up in the air, it was really intense. And when he pulled out the, the implants here and the one here, uh, it was just, it was remarkable. His name is Ken Page and he does um, multi-dimensional cellular healing. That's pretty profound. I just, I, I just don't know if he's still doing it because he's, I'm 54 and it was 20, 30 years ago when I worked with him. He's got to be in the seventies now. Okay, good. But that's, that's great to, yeah, to yeah. know. So people can look All him right. up. So please, so, yes, let's talk about the the past life regression because my friend and I were also talking about this. All this right, so, and can I ask, and I want to ask you something. I want to hear what you have to say. And I also want to, we'll ask you the question after you go ahead. So past, I've been doing past life regressions since 1991. I was probably the youngest person to train with Dick Sutphin. Although Sonny Don Johnson, who wrote Invoking the Archangels, who have for many many years she says that she was she was younger she and i both trained with dick Sutton when we were like 18 or, or like 19 19 20 years old so i learned past life regression from him and this is why because people say well it really doesn't matter well that could be true but i i have found in doing them for 30 years that a lot of our unconscious energetic patterns what we are putting out to the universe is from unresolved traumas from past lives and I'll just give you a couple examples of that that what I think people can relate to. Let's say that you're a female woman and you're trying to have a child, and no matter what you do, you can't conceive a child. You've tried everything. What if you find out in a past life that you were, uh, like in the mid-1800s, uh, were very poor, you didn't have money, and you had no other options but to put a child that you just had on the doorsteps of a church because you were not able to take care of the child. So in this lifetime, you have an unconscious fear um, that if I have a child, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to have to give it up so that you do your body does whatever it can to shut it down from having a child again, because it's so afraid of that experience because that energetic pattern energy doesn't die only transform. So we tend to carry these things with us, the other example would be like, let's say someone that has eating disorders. No matter what they eat, they're never satisfied, they're never full. So what if in a, you had two or three lifetimes in a row where you were you were dead by the time you were 20 yeah. years old and you were always starving to death? Yeah. So unconsciously, subconsciously, you think that you're you're here to starve. And so you just keep eating because you haven't resolved that unconscious uh, trauma. And, and, and or it doesn't it doesn't even have to be you know um past lifetimes it could be this lifetime if you get people that do into mediumship and i've done mediumship before you know uh 
I had a guy I went on before Dolores Cannon at the Wake Up Now conference. I think it was 2011 or 20, must have been 2011 because she died shortly after that. A major influence in this industry. And this guy comes up to me and he says, Mark, this stuff is crap. It's nonsense. I don't believe it. I don't even know why. I'm, why am I here, Mark? Yeah, I was going to ask, why was he there? <laughs> why are we here? But I want to talk to you, Mark. I'm like, oh, I, I got you. All right. All right. So I said, um, you know, there's this older man standing behind you. I'm going to guess he's your dad. And he's holding, but he's very specific. He's holding a wooden airplane. And he's pointing to this wooden airplane and he's pointing to you. And this guy, Shannon, just drops to his knees and wails like a four-year-old girl. Oh. I mean, just tears are like squirting out of his eyes. So he finally gathers himself. He's like, he said, when I was seven years old, I built a wooden airplane for my dad. But I sat it on a chair. I went to the kitchen to, um, to get something to eat. When I came back, I forgot that I put it on the chair. I sat on the wooden airplane and I broke it. I was never able to give that chair to my dad. His dad came through to let him know that he got, he got it. Wow. I, I cannot get... make that up. Nope. I know. I'm a no. medium too. And there are things where I'm like, I my friend's an atheist, or at least I don't want to put, that's kind of what he's said is he's very, very skeptical. So the other day he's like, all right show me show me like I'm, I'm open and i said all right as long as you don't judge me because i don't know if i can do it for you but we'll see he's one of my best friends and uh i was like your mom okay let's get your mom because i know i know obviously and i was like did you guys go to the circus together and he's like no why am i seeing clowns well my mom liked clowns okay <laughs> and he goes she had framed pictures of clowns all like all over the house i'm like kyle how would i know that like i don't I don't know that you don't talk, you know, and, and then by the end of it, he calls his sister and he's like, she just said this and this and this, his sister goes, yeah, I know what that means. I know what that means. And I was like, look, it wasn't, it was still tough. It was like pulling teeth, but I got some stuff that no one would know. And it just, the beauty in that is not because I'm so great. Cause I, you know, I'm, I'm not perfect. Uh, it's really about the joy in, I've been wanting to give him that because he's in so much pain over the loss of his mom. And he's always like, there's, he doesn't think there's anything after. And I'm like, I need him to know that his mother is still here to help him heal. And the time was was then. And again, he's still like, well, you could be tapping into another multiverse. Or I said, I, isn't that cool, though? Because that shows that this isn't all there is. I said, yeah, I'm open to that idea. Right. I said, the only reason I know your mom's here is I feel her energy. But yes, could I be reading your mind? Could I be tapping into another dimension? But doesn't that say something about the nature of reality anyway, which is pretty inspiring? Yeah, you just said something that's really important is that when you when you cross over, uh, that the, the thing that they want, and I don't really do a lot of mediumship anymore. I do intuitive counseling. Um, they want closure. They want, and they want that, they want to feel forgiven. They want to express forgiveness. And I said for years in my talks, when I talk about this near experience, it's like, you know, if you if you knew that you only had three days to live, you know, who would you call? What would you say? And what would you do? Ah, that's great. You know, it's like, well, if you already know, what what, what are you waiting for? You know? And, and it's Amen like. Amen to that. You know, it's like, if you already know, what are you waiting for? 
because you know we, we like to think I'll be here tomorrow, but I don't know. I, I mean, I kind of do because I've already crossed over once, but the reality is you, you don't, you know, you, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, and it's so important to have those because that's you know, when you when you're lying on your deathbed, you're it's more about not the things that you did, it's the things that you didn't do. And um, I say this to people all the time. It's like we keep saying, you know, well, what do I tell me what I need to do? Just show me what I need to do. And maybe the real question is, maybe you need to ask, what do you need to stop doing? Wow. Yeah. And I, I, I could talk to you for like 20 hours, but I do have one more question that sure. is going to, I'm going to preface with a little story. Um, but it's as my friend and I were today, we're talking about uh, past life regression. She said, I don't buy it because why all past life regressionists, like you were uh, this famous person, you were, you were this king, this queen. And I said, I know that's kind of troublesome for me too, that it's like, why was I Joan of Arc? Why couldn't I have just, you know, maybe I was just Joan Smith from Iowa who lived on a farm. Well, and I said, I actually had a past life. Well, I didn't do a regression, but she was telling me like your Akashic records. And she's like, you were Francis de Sisi, the saint, patron saint of animals. I'm like, I could see that because I'm like, I'm the one who goes and picks up rats off the side of the road when they're hurting. And but uh, but I was like, but why, you know, why that? And she said, that's what makes me dubious. And um, I said, however, and I, I said, I, I think that there are plenty of legitimate, like you, um, past life regressionists. And I'm not saying she wasn't. She's legitimate. But I just question how how do we know there's no validation for me? So um, my question is, so I decided to do a past life regression for myself, which I've tried before and it didn't work. And I, I recently did this where I'm like, let's just see what happens. So I have this person in my life who's a friend, but we have this otherworldly connection. We've had out-of-body experiences. We communicate telepathically. Um, and we're not to, you know, we're not in a romantic situation, but I'm like, what is this? Like, what is, what are you trying to, to show me? So I just said, all right, I'm, I want you to show me who we were to each other in another life. And um, I went into this meditation and immediately I'm like, I heard Jacques. I heard uh, Battalion 52. I heard and then I suddenly was like in this person's body where I'm looking, I was crying and I'm like, I'm a Swedish woman. I know I'm Swedish. So I do some Googling afterwards and I find out that George Schock was the commander of the 52nd Battalion and that um, it wasn't his wife. I thought I was his wife, but it turns out I reached out to her cousin and her, her niece who told me she didn't even die until I was already born. Um, and she said, and, but I found out that he had this sort of nanny that lived raised him and she was from Sweden. And um, I started to put these pieces together. There were a few other things I don't remember, but I was like, I think that I have the suspicion that I was like, he was like my baby, you know, kind of, he was like my son in a sense. Right. Cause I felt he went to war. That was the other thing is I saw she was crying because he went off on a ship. Well, I know that George was from here, but he went to Germany. Um, and I was like, there's this sense of loss and she was too young to be his lover. So I don't think that's the thing. But so that was a long way to get to, um, I guess, that question of as a past life regressionist, um, I know that you just lead people. You don't tell people you were this person or they kind of lead themselves through it. But any kind of thoughts about about that? Why so many people kind of go, oh, I was like Plato or um, and any kind of thoughts you have in general about that topic is fine. There's no specific question as much as I want you to talk about it. 
Yeah, because it's not too exciting if you find out that you were Farmer Joe in the yeah. village. You know, like why wasn't I a cashier at a gas station or something? Or, and uh, so, a couple of things about that. The so let's say that you had Napoleon, right? Napoleon Bonaparte. And let's say that you had, I don't know, 50, 70 people that all said they were, they did a past life regression and it wasn't someone telling them, but they got in their past life regression that they were Napoleon Bonaparte. Would they all be right? Would they all be wrong? Right. So my theory is that they would probably all be right because the soul is energy soul always expands and divides expands divides expands divides so if, if that soul that was napoleon bonaparte had an over soul and it kept dividing and expanded you could have several people who have fragmented from that one soul who would still have a energetic lineage to that lifetime and they would all be valid and correct now i just think it's what hollywood or what people fantasize or they expect it to be that way but you know you might find out that you were a brothel you worked in a brothel in charleston south carolina you know in the late 1700s as the colony was developing and it's not or you might find out that you're a farmer but it's not always that you're you know, the queen of England or, right. or someone famous, you know, and sometimes people get disappointed. I tell them that it's like, you might, or the worst thing, my God is like, you know, and this has happened to me before. And I had to pull someone out of hypnosis really fast. They found out that they were uh, a Nazi. And my, they were I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Wow. And they were, and they were killing people. And it's like, because it was such a shock to who they were, what they stood for. It's like, We've done all things. We, you know, we have gone back and forth, the good guy, the bad guy. We played all roles. We've done all things. And the ultimate goal, the only word in the English language that has love in it is evolve. You know, you're you're here to evolve. Yeah. So. That's so interesting. Yeah. I definitely um the the Swedish woman, she there's no there's a record of her, but there's no she was just a like a servant that lived with them and I've looked her up and I can't find anything about her. I can find George, his wife, plenty of information on them, but she was just sort sort of like lived with them and, and helped raise the kids. And that's all I know. So mm -hmm. um, it is so, so interesting. I thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your insights. Um, there's so much more to know, but I will also have, I want to, uh, can you just share, I'll put it below as well, but I'd like you to share where people can reach you for um, spiritual counseling or heal sound healing or any services that you offer yeah so uh feel free to reach out to me i'm pretty good about answering and responding to emails uh it's mark mrk dash patterson p-a-t-t-e-r-s-o-n.com that's mark mrk dash patterson p-a-t-t-e-r-s-o-n.com if you don't include the dash you're gonna get a famous jeweler jeweler in new york city so gotta include that hyphen and uh, I, I love to help people out. Uh, it's so exciting. Lately, I've just had so many people on breakthroughs with Zoom, getting the answers to the solutions. They've just never had their entire life. And all of a sudden, 
it clicks in and they get it. So it's not really exciting. I'm working on these power cards, universal power cards, inspirational messages. Those should be out in the next couple of weeks with the uh, like a reflection guidebook as a digital download of those are available to pre-order on my website as well. Thank you for sharing all of that, Mark. I really appreciate your time and energy. And I know that my audience does too. All right. Thank you so much. Y'all have a good night. Thank you. Namaste. Blessings. Thank you.